Welcome to the Possibility Podcast. I'm Mel Schwartz, your host and thought provocateur. I've been practicing psychotherapy for well over 20 years. During that time, I've been so fortunate to witness countless breakthroughs while working with people, whether one-on-one, as a speaker, in professional trainings, or in workshops. The insights that I've garnered have inspired me to write over a hundred articles and several books, including the companion title to this podcast, The Possibility Principle, which you can find wherever books are sold. On this and every episode, I'll be introducing new ways of thinking, relating, and communicating to help you truly thrive in your life, to reach the possibilities that you may long for. Think of this as a new game plan for living. Thanks for enjoying my emerging community of possibility seekers, and I hope you enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. Today, we're going to be talking about the notion of bias, subjectivity, and objectivity. But let's begin with this word bias. Ordinarily, bias has a pretty negative connotation, like you're being biased, which suggests that you're not being objective. Let's take a look at this phenomenon and consider the profound consequences of our beliefs around bias and objectivity. Several years ago, I was a prospective juror on a um, alleged drunk driving case. I recall sitting on the witness stand as the prosecutor was interviewing me to determine my qualifications as a juror. He asked me, can you be objective? I paused, contemplated whether I should go into my beliefs and the treatise about objectivity, and I decided to go for it. I said, no, I can't be objective. He said, why not? My response was, because I don't think there's any such thing as objectivity. The judge intervened. He looked down at me and he asked, Mr. Schwartz, what do you mean? I thought for a moment and I said, judge, do you have beliefs? And he smiled and he said, of course I have beliefs. I said, well, beliefs are a bias. They're a way of looking at something. Beliefs express our likes and dislikes, our prejudices, our wants, our needs. That's what it is to be a human being. So I said, Judge, no, as a human being, I can't be objective. I'm not a machine or a piece of technology. Humans have feelings and perceptions and beliefs. We all have beliefs. He said, yes, I have beliefs. So beliefs are biases. If you believe that genocide is bad, that is a bias, it's a value. What presidential candidate you vote for is a bias. The things you value and honor are biases. Whether you view them as good, bad, or neutral, they are biases. So I believe in bias. And when I hear anybody say, I'm not biased, I think that's foolish. They're not understanding. Now, this is not just an investigation in terms of something that's academic or philosophical. It has a profound impact in our lives. You see, saying I'm not biased really means that you're not open-minded. To be open-minded, I have to be in touch with my prejudices, my beliefs, and my biases. Now, my belief around subjectivity runs deeper. 
As many of you know from reading my book, The Possibility Principle, or listening to other podcasts, quantum physics has revealed that reality is actually one inseparable whole, that nothing stands apart from anything else. Well, to be objective suggests that you stand apart, dispassionately observing something. But there is no separation. There is no differential whereby I am distant, unfeeling, impartial. We are participating in everything we see and think and do and experience. Now, in the world we live in, where we all pretend, or many of us pretend to be objective, we end up debating facts. Let's look just for a moment at the political world. Have you ever heard in a debate one person stop and express their belief or their bias as opposed to arguing facts back and forth incessantly with each other? And nobody ever has any new learning or insight because we're not open. We're not open because if we believe in objectivity, we're steeped in right versus wrong. And so we're stuck. So as I began to investigate this notion of objectivity and my lack of belief in it, I started to look at the definitions of the word objectivity. What I'm going to share with you now, I'm actually reading from my book, The Possibility Principle. You're not being objective. That claim is a suggestion of criticism. But if we look into the actual definition of this word, we need to consider whether the word objective is plausible. Webster's Third New International Dictionary defines objective in the following way. Of or relating to an object, phenomenon, or condition in the realm of sensible experience, independent of thought, and perceptible by all observers. Having reality independent of the mind. Let's just look at this definition. Firstly, what does sensible experience mean? Webster's indicates that the word sensible refers not only to your senses, but to matters of reason or understanding. Clearly, different ages, different cultures, different religions, different beliefs would not necessarily agree upon sensible. We might agree it's not sensible to run out of your house or apartment naked, but that would seem bizarre and expose you to maybe a psychiatric evaluation. But if you wake into your home on fire and didn't have a moment to escape, under those conditions, it would be sensible. Sensibility is contingent upon circumstances. Most societies call it illegal to murder another person except in self-defense. But those rules change if a nation declares war and then it's sensible to kill each other. Now, the next part of the definition, independent of thought. Wow. It implies that an object or a phenomenon or a condition exists in a separate independent reality that has nothing to do with thought. This premise obliterates the significance of thought, but it also refers us back to the concept of an independent reality separate from us. But the last part's the kicker. The term perceptible by all observers. That means that if something is objective, Everyone perceives exactly the same thing. Well, good luck with that. We know that doesn't work. We all have differing perceptions. And let's talk about memories. 
How many of you, this is a rhetorical question, so I won't put it as a question. We've all experienced getting into a disagreement or an argument about an event or an exchange in the past. We remember things differently. Memory is not objective and concrete. Memory is fungible. Memory is flavored and filtered by our experiences, not only of that moment, but our experiences since that moment. So this entire premise is that the notion of objectivity is unachievable, unattainable, and silly. Now, subjectivity should not be regarded to as a negative. You're not being objective. Your response to that should be, well, of course I'm not being objective. I'm a human being. I have perceptions and feelings. Here is my subjectively informed opinion. In my field, the field of psychology and psychotherapy, we operate, or I should say the field operates, I certainly don't, from the premise of diagnosis. The idea of a diagnosis is that a therapist can sit back and objectively determine what they're looking at and hearing in their client or patient's life experiences and perceptions and attribute a diagnosis to them as though the therapist themselves doesn't have subjective biases, that the therapist isn't informed by their own values and their own childhood. You know, the very notion of diagnosis had some merit to begin with. Let's just talk about this for a moment. A term, a diagnostic term, let's use the term ADHD, had merit to begin with. Let's go back to when the term ADHD was first created. A team of psychiatrists working for the DSM, that's the Bible, it's the diagnostic manual that creates these terms, sat back and discussed that there was a new phenomenon occurring where many people seem to have a lack of attention or a hyperactive quality of attention, ADHD, attention deficit or hyperactive. Now, Their observation of this phenomenon is fine, and their description of it is fine. But then they create the term ADHD, and that's useful. The problem is when we create a term and then think that the term actually exists. So then years later, we say, Jane has ADHD as an objective reality. But it isn't. It's a description. It's not useful in therapy to objectify people. By the way, perhaps Jane has ADHD because as a child, she was subjected to constant violence or attacks upon her safety and well-being. And so she developed a hypervigilance. So her mind was always alert to danger. And decades later, she still has that quality. It's no longer adaptive. But Jane doesn't have ADHD. It's a behavior that she manifested. Let's consider for a moment what happens in personal relationships, friendships, family relationships, or romantic relationships. When we speak to each other in objective ways, we run into trouble. The inevitable argument versus right versus wrong is based on objective truth. We say, you are such and such, or I am such and such. These words speak of objective truths. Thomas Jefferson said, or I quote Thomas Jefferson, I never heard of any argument in which two disputants reached agreement 
through statements and argument about facts. Facts are objective statements. Now, I'm not suggesting that we're not consensually agreed upon facts with which we can concur, but our experience of relationship is destroyed by notions of objectivity. The arguing of facts has nothing to do with our feelings. Feelings aren't right or wrong. Feelings simply are. Feelings can be reconsidered, but they get nullified and invalidated in the objective argument over facts. So in a relationship, if I can share my bias, if I can share my prejudice, if I can share my perceptions, you needn't agree with them, but they don't have to be nullified. You see, ultimately in relationship, we run into so much trouble around objectivity because we throw a wall up when we make objective statements. Imagine Karen says to her husband, you are so insensitive. That's an objective statement of fact. The natural inclination is he responds with, I'm not insensitive, another objective statement, or he puts the charge back at her and says, you're insensitive. Ah, It goes nowhere. Now, can you imagine If she shifted what she said to him and Karen spoke subjectively to her perception, to her bias, and she said, you know, I feel like you don't care about my feelings or you disregard how I feel. And that makes me feel angry or hurt or vulnerable. She's expressing herself subjectively and vulnerably. Now, when we speak and share vulnerably with each other, the other person is usually listening. Is what Karen is saying subjective? Certainly. She's sharing her feelings. Hide from your feelings and make objective statements. You're talking to a wall. Nobody is listening and nobody is hearing. Share your subjective, biased, personal feelings. And we may start to open up a dialogue. So again, rather than defending against being biased, step into it. We are all biased. We all have beliefs. Bias isn't bad. Pretending to be objective is anti-humanistic and destructive to relationship. Several years ago, I gave a TEDx talk on the damage done by using eight objective verbs. The two B verbs is, am, were, was, be, been, being. They all speak of objective language. One, they're inert and unchanging. They're fixed. But reality isn't fixed. Reality is ever moving. We need to eliminate these verbs. So instead of saying you are, we say, I think, I feel, here's how I see you. Do you care how I feel? This is the language of human perception. We must shift into that language to feel heard and validated. On another subject or a similar tangent, how do we get to change someone's mind in that argument? Never through the arguing of facts, but the perceptions, the subjective beliefs, the biases are all part of our belief system. We all have beliefs. Now, having beliefs, just as I asked the judge, do you have beliefs, are biases. Let's open up our beliefs to one another. Let's share how we came to those beliefs. 
And in terms of our own growth and evolving, we want to ask ourselves, how did I come to my belief? And then take a look at that belief. Does it need to shift or change or evolve? Perhaps not, but perhaps it does. If I came to a belief or hold on to a belief because it's the way I was raised, it's what my parents told me, shouldn't we have some scrutiny around that belief? Reevaluate it. And if we do, we may choose to continue to adhere to it, but don't we owe it to ourselves as thinking people, as open-minded people? And we all like to claim that we're open-minded, but sadly, we're not. To be open-minded, I need to explore my beliefs, ask myself how I came to these beliefs, what informs these beliefs, do they serve me? Do I need to rethink the belief, maybe not throw it away? But build upon the belief, create more nuance, more complexity to that belief. The key to effective communication, healthy relationship, is to be able to see your bias. By the way, coming back to that story about the judge and my jury duty, the judge asked me, well, if you're not objective, what questions should we ask you? My response was, judge, you should ask me, can I be in touch with my bias? and nevertheless feel that I can do a fair job. Get in touch with your bias. Open to your bias. You don't have to give it up. Again, biases speak to your values and beliefs. But by being in touch with your bias, you can actually move toward becoming what we call open-minded. You can grow. Considering your bias, reflecting on your bias, makes you a present, reflective, contemplative human being. And in communications with others and in relationships with others, speaking that way, sharing your bias is not confrontational. It is not warlike. Biases need to shift from being a negative word, whereas we need to stop thinking that objective is either achievable or good. It is neither. Let's shift our values and perceptions around these words and embrace our opinions, our beliefs, our values, and understand they are our biases. They are our way of looking at things and take ownership of that. Try this on. Try this new exercise. Try speaking subjectively. Watch out for those to be verbs, those objective verbs. Start your sentences with I, I think, I feel, I believe, and see how it opens up. And it will also help you find your voice and develop far more confidence because when you speak that way, you can't be told you're wrong. You're only sharing your belief, not a fact. Until next time, stay safe, be well, and get in touch with your biases. you've enjoyed this episode of the Possibility Podcast with me, Mel Schwartz. To learn more about this episode's topic and other related subjects, please be sure to check out my book, The Possibility Principle. I always welcome your feedback, and you can comment on this or any episode by visiting melschwartz.com. That's M-E-L-S-C-H-W-A-R-T-Z.com. Click on the podcast link in the menu, and you can reach out via email to mel at melschwartz.com. 
The best way to make sure you never miss any episode of the Possibility Podcast is to follow the show and subscribe for free in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. You'll get new episodes as soon as they're released. And while you're at it, please take a moment to rate and review the Possibility Podcast and Apple Podcasts or the app of your choice. Ratings and reviews help raise the visibility of this podcast and that make it easier for new listeners to discover the show. So thank you for your honest review and thank you for listening. Until next time, have a great day and keep summoning up those new possibilities. Possibilities.